I'm Aurier Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show where it's all about the W. Game one of the WNBA Finals is in the books with the Sky taking the 1-0 lead. We got some other big news. The Atlanta Dream have a new head coach and a GM coming soon. Rachel and Aria, let's get into it. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over on windsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work if you want to sponsor an episode of the windsider show email us info at windsider.com all right right off the top rachel let's dive right into it Announced earlier today, uh, the Atlanta Dream have a new head coach, Tanisha Wright, uh, a, a well-known player across the the coaching sphere, across the women's basketball players' world. Um, let's let's hop into initial initial thoughts, but I do want to give you a little bit of credit because a little bit back you wrote an article. Uh, I know you don't like to do shameless plugs, so I'm going to shameless plug for you. You did an article talking about which assistant coaches in the W right now. Uh, are in a position to be the top candidates for a head coaching position. And you spoke about Tanisha Wright. She was in your article. She's now a head coach. How does it feel to look smart? <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. So I, I appreciate that. I, I really enjoyed that piece because it taught me a lot um, thinking that critically, right, about the future of the league and where where this is going. And, and I mean, complete, complete honesty, um, I'm not surprised by this hire. Um, I, I, I really thought this would be the hire, to be honest with you. Um, so I think that Atlanta really hit a home run with this. I think that Wright is going to have a long and successful career um, coaching in the WNBA. I mean, she, she, what she's been able to do, um, has been noticed by many across the league, um, front office people, um, players, coaches, you know, across the board is, is a really, big time up and comer, you know, as a coach in the league. So I think when you, when you, when this position opens up and you need that fresh start that we all know Atlanta so desperately needs, what direction were they going to go? And right in my mind was the number one candidate. And that's just, that's just from a complete outsider looking in and looking at the list of, you know, up and coming coaches in the league. Who, 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 who are those names, right? We talk about Eric Tebow. Uh, we talk about, you know, a few, Noel Quinn. We, we, I mean, we all knew, I mean, I, I would like to think a lot of us knew that that she was up in line there for Seattle. So with with Wright, she was the next one in line, in my opinion. I mean, she was the one that um, I felt like was going to make a big move, and she did. I think Atlanta did a phenomenal job with this hire. I'm very excited for her. Yeah, I would say the the other big name that comes to mind is Latricia Trammell, um, as as somebody who's like that up and coming that in the next few years, especially with an expansion on the horizon, as we've heard reports of. Uh, thanks to some great reporters out there doing their due diligence. Um, you got to think that those are kind of the big names. But let's talk about Tanisha. You know, a player who's won a championship uh, 11 years ago in uh, in Seattle as part of uh, Sue Bird's second championship, I believe. Um, <laughs> now she's won four. Um, and, an interesting hire. I like the hire. 
I'm going to say, you know, something I tweeted out earlier that I think some people were a little bit confused about. I really like this move in the sense of not, you know, look, to me, as much of a simple sign as it is, but to see her not be the GM, Mm -hmm. I think you're setting her up for success. She has not been a coach, a professional coach in the WNBA for two full seasons. So this is a gamble. Let's not pretend, you know, that she's been around the block like James Wade was a player or sorry, a person um, who was an assistant coach for a very long time. This isn't, you know, uh, Gary Coppenberg. This is somebody who, yes, I'm, I'm not negating any of her knowledge. She has been well known as an elite basketball mind, as someone who is going to be a head coach someday. And, and I respect that and I honor that. But let's be realistic. She's still new into the coaching role, right? Similar to Noelle Quinn, um, who I think will be a great coach. But realistically, you know there's going to be some growing pains, right? They're, they're still young in the coaching world. Um, so I think you're setting them up for success by not making them the GM. Because, yes, it cuts corners and maybe makes the hire a little bit cheaper. But I think historically, and we'll see more and more so down the road in the future, that until you're a fully established elite coach, I don't want to see you as the GM. I, I just think that like you're not setting yourself up for success for that. So I'm, I'm happy to say uh, that I've spoken to people um, with knowledge of the the facts, uh, the signings, the, the ins and outs in Atlanta. And yes, uh, they are going to be announcing a GM hire soon. Uh, not today, but it, but in the very near future. Well, the thing also, for me, yeah, also, sorry, and also potentially. Um, I mean, and, and I, this is this is just speculation. You got to wonder, you know, could could there be a GM situation and an, an assistant GM position? You know, is this a situation where it could be a couple people kind of filling that role? That that that's going to be really interesting for me to pay attention to. Oh, definitely. Like, are they going to go? Possibly, you know, this is a, a a complete revamp of of the company, if you want to call the team the company, right? Um, so. <laughs> We're going to see a lot of people in new positions. There's a new ownership um, and they've kind of just been waiting to announce a bunch of stuff. I've heard rumblings, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the dream to announce these things. But no, I agree. Like you bring in, it seems like they're going for young people who can connect to the young players. And I would assume that means that they're going for a young GM. Realistically, that can also mean that you bring in an assistant, someone who's been around the block for a while. Um, to kind of guide them the ins and outs, the intricacies of it, um, especially with this CBA and the intricacies of the CBA. I think the other interesting aspect and almost a bigger aspect real quick before I pass it back over to you, Rachel, is just free agency. While Tanisha Wright is a huge hire, it's a big name, and she is going to set the culture for this team, free agency is what's going to define this team moving forward because if you look at their roster, they have Cheyenne Parker, they have, that's basically it, right? You have Monique Billings is a restricted free agent. Um, and that's essentially it, that all you have. You, yeah, you have uh, Ari McDonald on contract for that. Um, you have Tiana Hawkins also. But again, essentially that's it besides Kennedy Carter. So for me, if you really want to turn Atlanta around, it's going to come down to who they can attract in the free agency period. What are your thoughts, Rachel? No, I agree. I mean, we're going to be, it's like we're just going to keep talking about Atlanta. You know, it's it's been 
unfortunately, you know, it's been not a great year. <laughs> a lot of a lot of just rough moments, right, for any <clears throat> any franchise just to just from a winning standpoint, from a turnover standpoint. I mean, who who would have predicted they would have gone through three head coaches <laughs> since, since since January? I mean, it's just been unbelievable. So, this is a moment in time where this franchise can in in some sense blow it up, and I think it needs to be blown up. Now, um, you, you, you get a fresh start. You have a lot of cap space. You have a lot of room. We're going to talk a lot about, um, obviously free agency, all that when, when the season is done, that's not necessarily where my focus is at this point, but I did want to make one point. I, I, I think that it's, we're going to have so much conversation about the Atlanta dream. And I love that. And that gives us a lot of content in the off season. I think that this was a great hire. I think that Tanisha, Wright. You know, here's the one thing I will say, you know, there are, there are, there's a difference not every assistant coach should go on to be a head coach. Like with me, I, I will I will say, like, for, for example, I was a really good college assistant coach. I know that. I knew my strengths. I knew my weaknesses. I knew that recruiting was a thing that I was really, really good at. Now, I'm not trying to shortchange myself. If I someday wanted to be a head coach, could I? I'm sure, of course. But I know my strengths, and I, I, I was a phenomenal assistant coach, and I could have been a lifer assistant coach. My point is with this, just because someone has been an assistant coach or, or floated around the league for many, 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 many years, and we're sitting here going, oh, it's their time. Like, for example, we can talk about Kloppenberg or, um, you know, and I'm not talking about specifically Kloppenberg in this, this situation, but I just want to talk about the difference of there are those clear people that are rising up and coming head coaches. They have that 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 oomph about them as maybe a former player, as a leader, or as an on-court general, whatever that might be, something innately about them is destined to go be a head coach. And with Tanisha Wright, that's 100% the case. She's put in a lot of time at the collegiate level, which I really respect. But yeah, she has, there's going to be some learning curves here. You know, this is, this is, you know, she knows the league in and out as a player and as her, her experience as an assistant. Um, but I think it's going to be so important to put the right experienced people around her that are going to help her continue to develop as a coach. Right. So that's, that's exciting. And that's great. And I think that Tanisha Wright had that innate, uh, part of her that was like, you are, you are supposed to be a head coach. And I'm sure that's what the dream ownership um, noticed, you know, w- within her or knew about her. It's kind of like Sue Bird, right? Like we know Sue Bird, <laughs> if she wants to, can go be a head coach pr- pretty much anywhere she wants to be. But there are also those people that, um, you know, what, maybe they don't want that, or maybe they're just a really good assistant coach. And that's that role that they thrive in. And those are things that they are more behind the scenes. And they can do a lot of those X's and O's, scouting reports, things like that, that, that are so valuable to a team and needed for a team. My, the point I'm making is not every person will go on to be a head coach. And the point is with Tanisha Wright, she had something special about her throughout her career that has gotten her to this point, And that's clearly been recognized. Um, and so I'm extremely excited for her. So and anyway, that's my <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think the, the big question for me moving forward, right, we, we acknowledge She's deserving of this. We acknowledge that she's ready for this. The two big questions moving forward. uh, Question number one is who's going to be the GM. Sub question for that is how they can attract a a few, at least one big name free agent, right? Like for them to start this turnaround quicker, I want to see them be able to pull in one of the big name free agents, a top 10 free agent, bring them in. Um, I think that's going to be key. And then the next thing is her coaching staff. I'm excited to see who she brings in in her coaching staff because that's the other thing, right? Like being a head coach is 
you know, calling plays out of timeouts, uh, you know, doing the X's and O's and all that jazz, but it's also delegating power and delegating roles to your staff um, and picking the best staff possible, you know, knowing where your weaknesses are as a coach and finding staff that can help you with that so that you kind of, you know, it's the same thing as building a roster in my mind. Um, But enough talk about this because the season is still going on. Two teams are left. The Chicago Sky, the Phoenix Mercury, we're in the WNBA Finals. Uh, Chicago Sky taking game one of the WNBA Finals in Phoenix. I don't think anyone was shocked. Mercury had a slight lead, I think like a five, six point lead going in to uh, the first break after quarter number one. And from there, it was really just the Sky Show. Uh, That is a shameless plug, pun, pun. (laughs) pun pun plug uh for the sky show shy uh who deserves all the uh the props and attention as his team their team uh is in the WNBA finals for the first time since 2014 Rachel let's talk about this finals matchup we knew the mercury was going to be a matter of if they're shooting lights out this is going to be a slugfest battle if they're not hitting their shots this is going to be a runaway for the sky well, the latter happened. Um, the sky ran away with it. We don't even need to talk about the final score. It was a dominant performance. Um, Diana Taurasi probably should have fouled out. You know how many times she's gonna get away with some of these fouls and then have like a makeup call technical on like her <laughs> doing nothing is whatever. But let's talk about this matchup. Um, Brittany Griner, pre- you know I. I think I didn't give enough credit to the fact that the lankiness of Chicago was able to disrupt yeah. defending MVP, John Quill Jones and Bree Jones. Um, and I saw a good amount of that defensively against Brittany Griner, right? Like often when we think about going up against Brittany Griner, we think you need to have that stereotypical big, big, right? You need the Sylvia Fowles. Uh, you need the Tara McCowan. You need the Liz Cambage. But what they've been able to do with their, lanky defense and lanky bigs on the sky side is really aggravate and frustrate elite bigs in this league. And I got to give a hat tip to that because at the end of the day, we know what the biggest question mark for the sky is besides consistency, it's defense. Mm -hmm. And for their ability to do that is just impressive. Talk to me about the roles that bigs are playing in this finals, Rachel. I mean, Chicago has a lot of weapons, you know, they don't have a grinder. (laughs) No one has a grinder. Um, (laughs) But you have a lot of different versatility pieces. I think Parker d- did a great job on Griner. I think you you look at you look at Stevens. We talk about her a lot this so far this these playoffs and her ability to elevate her game. <clears throat> you can even talk about Stephanie Dolson. <laughs> you know you have you have some size. You talk about a stew do ball. I mean now she didn't play. Uh, she played like one minute. So that that you know it's a, that's a further part of the bench. But you know Chicago has a versatility to them that, yeah, they, they, they do not have that dominant post presence, a fouls, a cambage, a grinder, but they have enough length and athleticism and versatility to be able to make things uncomfortable. And they showed us that they're more than capable of doing that. Um, and, you know, and let's not act like grinder didn't have a great night. I mean, you know, seven for 15, you, you probably, you probably need a little bit more more shot attempts for Greiner. I mean, she needs to be closer to the twenties in my opinion. She, she also snuck up on that too, because at one point, I mean, her like seven out of 15 doesn't look bad, right? Yeah. Like that's just under 50%. But, but that, that was some bunnies towards the end of the game. Um, that, that really kind of upped that percentage. 
I would even flip it on its head, Rachel, and say, first of all, wait, Rachel, we have to do this. Um, Steph Dolson scores 14 points in 17 minutes. She goes six of eight, two for three from three, and one assist. She had three fouls, okay, but a plus 12. Now, of the six players on Chicago off the bench that played, so they played their whole roster. Obviously, you do that when you're up that amount. Steph Dolson, only player off the bench for Chicago to score. She outscored the four bench players from the Mercury um, with those 14 points. And I know Rachel and I, for many a years, have uh, openly criticized Steph Dolson in her play and not liking her fit in Chicago. But when she has a good game, we have to step back and say we were wrong. Criticize is harsh. I, I, I love. Oh, I've criticized. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dolson. I mean, one of the one of the best shooters. She brings an element to this team that I think sometimes you wonder, like, what's this going to look like, right? But then she does something like, like she'll play, and she's had a great year, in my opinion. Like she has done her role. She's a leader for this team. She's been consistent. She's she her her role has evolved over time with 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 the sky. Um, and I, I really got to tip my hat to her, you know, and, and those are, those are situations like you, you give 16 minutes in a game like this and you come in and you're as efficient as you are. And that's, that's what, that's what Dolson can do is how efficient she can be. And I think we criticized her it was a few years back. Dolson, Dolson had a tough year. The, the efficiency wasn't there where Chicago needed it. We're not seeing that anymore. You know, this is a veteran player who knows her role, who knows what she needs to come in and do. Um, and it just further adds to the sky's depth. And the glaring elephant in the room is just um, Phoenix doesn't have that. They don't have a Steph Dolson. They don't have, you know, a diamond to shield. They don't have um, even like a Dana Evans who can come in and just give you 10 minutes and be, be, be relatively steady. There's no depth. And that's, I mean, I just sound like a broken record at this point. I, I think that that as we as we talk about Wednesday's matchup, this is do or die for Phoenix. Otherwise, Chicago might take it in three. And I will be there Friday, so I will be excited if if we get a chance to experience that in person. <laughs> well, no, I I completely agree with you. Every everything you're saying, I agree with. It's the depth. It's it's the interesting aspect, and I think I touched on this um, either in one of the spaces or in one of our episodes. But the interesting aspect of Chicago is like we saw Phoenix go up against the most deep team in the league, right? The Aces. We, we like It's not even a question still. The Aces are the deepest team in the league. But what Chicago has that's different is that ability to play so many different types of games. Like, oh, you got tall. We need our length. Okay, we got a stew. You know, we got... Excuse me. We got Stevens. We got Parker. Oh, you want to play a little bit of a bully ball? Cool. We'll get. We got Dolson. We'll throw her in there, even though she's going to flop like crazy anytime someone touches her. Um, yes, she's been playing great, but she's still flopping like crazy. Um, you know, you want to play an athletic game? Okay, that's cool, right? Like we got, we got uh, Kalia Copper. We got Diamond to Shields. We got Lexi Brown, Dana Evans. Like they have all of the elements and pieces to okay we're going to reconstruct and like they're essentially a transformer like okay we need to be this type of game for this team cool let's do it we need to do this type of thing for this game and they have that ability to do that and it's worked so well during the playoffs and that's why they're sitting 1-0 at the WNBA finals right now um on the flip side with the mercury they kind of play 
their own game, right? Like they don't change their style of play. They're playing the same thing. And it's going to come down to how good they're shooting. Are the shots dropping? And Ken Schuyler, like I spoke to James Wade and he said it was pretty clear what the goal for the sky had to be to beat the Mercury. Contain the big three, yeah. right? I, I, you, if, if I'm the Mercury, I'm looking and I'm saying Diana Taurasi is going to get hers, right? Brittany Griner is playing elite basketball right now. She's going to get hers. It, a lot of weight is on Skyler right now. And throughout the playoffs, for a large portion of these playoffs, I have not seen the Skyler that we saw in the second half or the, the, the regular season stretch from the Olympics to playoffs. She was playing elite top guard in the league basketball. And now she has reverted back to what we saw when she was on Dallas, where she's trying to play hero ball and you can see her playing with the pressure. Great players, as Diana Taurasi spoke about after that Aces win, great players have a calm in them, right? When when all the craziness is happening and the pressure is on, you have to have a calm. And I keep seeing Skyler looking anxious, looking trying to rush in the moment. And and that to me, I, I know there's you know many elements of why the sky might run away with this, but to me, it comes down to Skyler. If Skyler can't produce like the big three, then this team is just SOL. Well, here here's Devil's Advocate, because you know, I feel better about Phoenix on Wednesday than I did on Sunday. And here's why. Sophie Cunningham is returning. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Did I see that or was I? Yeah, 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 I think I saw that. So that that helps. Sophie Cunningham takes a little bit of that pressure off from just another guard who's going to come in and have an edge who can, who knows? I mean, who knows? Maybe she goes off and, you know, gives you, gives you 15 points and is able to kind of knock down some shots. She's proven it before. So you have an added depth of someone who's played all year and been really consistent. That's huge. The addition of Cunningham is huge. I also think, could we see a Bria Hartley breakout game? Now. That's what I'm waiting for. Now. I would just, actually, I'm, I'm saying it just because I want to see it so much. But, you know, Bria Hartley comes back. This will be her eighth game of the season on Wednesday. And, obviously, <clears throat> it takes a minute to get to get your legging underneath you. She, she went from playing, like, two to three minutes of those first four games back to then her minutes were upped and she's playing in the in the low 20s. Still getting her footing underneath her. She goes one for eight, finishes with five points. You know, it, 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 I would love to see a Bria Hartley game where she comes in and is like efficient. You know, she finishes five, five for eight, you know, not knocks down some shots, uh, takes some pressure off. And then that, that allows Griner's going to do what Griner's going to do, you know, and, and even if it's a bad night for Griner, that's probably going to be 18 and eight. Um, and so then Skylar can maybe, that frees Skylar up a little bit from a pressure standpoint. Tarazi's going to do what Tarazi's going to do. I think Phoenix, I feel much better about Phoenix, especially with their back against the wall, which they are now. You can't go to Chicago down two. There's just zero chance at that point. But I oh, at all. And Phoenix has some depth. No, you know. I was, no, I agree. I was just going to say, like, the combination of that, because you look at this game one, right? And Kevon and Bria Hartley only one two shot. Megan Walker, Alana Smith in a combined 11 minutes did not shoot. So of the four bench players who played, they went three of 15 for nine points. You can't have that, right? Like if Sophie Cunningham comes in, like 
that's what I'm looking at. Yes, I know Skylar Diggins Smith is is what I said originally, and that is where my mindset is, right? Because if the big three aren't performing, it doesn't matter about the other seven, right? And so for me, my big question is, can Kia Vaughn hit one more? So she's three of seven. If she goes three of seven, that's a huge difference, right? Can Kia Vaughn not have five turnovers? That would be huge. Dan Trossi, six turnovers. That's another story. But the other thing that I love from Bria Hartley is we got two rebounds. We got two assists, one turnover. Yeah, she went one for eight from the, from the field. Fine. But those other stats, those other things that she can add into. And honestly, if if I'm Sandy Brondello, I'm looking at the bench and I'm saying, and this sounds like such a video game mindset, but like, if you're a bench player, I know a couple of you are going to get big minutes, but you guys need to run your asses off. Like you just need to be the hustle points because Shea Petty can't be the only person getting 50-50 balls. Mm -hmm. That will doom you. There's far too many times where there's a loose rebound and I see no Mercury player besides Shea Petty rushing over there to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody else needs to get those 50-50 balls. Who's going to do that? It, it does come down to a toughness at this point, you know, especially with Phoenix um, and, and that pride on that home court and, and the, the rebounding battle, the hustle, the hustle plays. When Phoenix has that edge to them, we know what this team can be. They've, they've proven that through these playoffs and towards and, you know, the end of the year, especially. So, you know, I, if I'm Phoenix, you're, you're coming out like, like you're, you're, you mean, you're fighting for your life. This is your only shot at a, at a championship. It's a one game everything right now and there's no room for letting Chicago punch throw the first punch and I feel like Chicago has been the aggressor as of late they've come out just guns a swinging do they let do they let up um, a little bit or or maybe have subconsciously let up a little bit they, they get a little bit comfortable and, Chica- and and Phoenix can can jump out on that that'll be interesting um, I think it could go I think it could go either way I really do I I think that with like we first of all underrated is Chicago Sky we're just waiting in Vegas for the finals right like they were already there they're ready their mindset was moved on the Mercury had like a four, less than forty eight hour period like a thirty five hour period right. of like games over let's get back to Phoenix let's get our head turned around rest and go my God my goodness you know what I'm saying right? you know, like like can you imagine having a child and like, I just can't imagine. I cannot imagine. Like, well, Rachel, give me like two weeks, and I'll tell you what it's like. <laughs> uh, my, minus the playing in a finals game. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, but I agree. I mean, props to her because you're running on fumes at that point. We we yeah. if we've all pulled an all nighter and then tried to do something athletic the next day. <laughs> we've all, you know what I mean. Like, we've all stayed up late and then had to play in an intramural basketball game the next day, and your body's exhausted and you're just running on fumes. Yeah, like I think the Mercury, besides Dan Atrossi, just the team in general, just exhausted. Right? You go to Game Five. You've literally played all like the most games possible. For a season right now. The only way Phoenix could have played more games possible this season is if they would have made the Commissioner's Cup. Sure. That like so this team is exhausted. Now they finally got, you know, what we had Monday and today, so they can rest. Yep. Game two, yep. still in Phoenix. They need this right now. Because I agree with you. If if they don't pull off a win here, you're looking at a sweep in Chicago. I know the story of Diane Tarasi. I know that, you know, the Mercury are going to want to be spoilers or whatever, but 
I like I would put I, I do not bet on sports often. I tell my friends to use their money to bet and give me a little bit of the winnings if we win. But <laughs> I would put money down. Chicago takes if if this is the deciding game, game two. If Chicago takes game two, this is a sweep. Sure. And in a, a switch, I believe I could be completely wrong. I don't know why I'm not looking this up before I say this, but uh, this is a repeat of the 2014 finals. And I believe the Mercury swept the yeah. Chicago sky. Yeah. So a little bit of a historical payback, a little bit of take that Diana Taurasi, Brittany Griner. Um, I think so. I think, you know, there's a huge drive from Vander Quiggs. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't want to give too much attention to this. I'm just going to say it. And Rachel, tell me what you think. The Chicago Sky and Elena Deladon are are conjoint in history, right? Like we know that connection. Elena Deladon was able to help bring the Sky to the finals and make them a perennial contender, right? She leaves. She goes off to D.C., wins a championship there, goes to the finals another time and, and really cemented herself. And I think there is still a sour taste in some of the Chicago Sky's mouth. And I'm not saying specifically players or fans or whoever. I think this Sky team would love to win a finals without Elena Deladon. Maybe that's just me thinking too much into the history of it. But I think, you know, for the people like Quigley and Vandersloot um, and Dolson and Copper who you know, we're either there before while Deldon was there or were involved in that trade. You got to think like there is that drive for them to finish the job that they weren't able to do when they had that MVP. I think I hear what you're saying. I, I hear a little bit of yes and no is my response. I don't think anyone is, is, is like still caught up on that. I know as like fans and like someone who is there at that time, like, yeah, I'm sure like that was a big deal. Like the fact that Elena left and, you know, wanted out and this, it is what it is. But I do think that people have moved on from that. And I think that there is a, um, a recognition with Quigley and Sloot having been in this situation before, um, combined with an, an extreme sense of urgency, it's now or never mm-hmm. in Chicago, you know, like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe they can find themselves back in this situation next year. I don't know if I see it, but it's a sense of urgency and James Wade has openly talked about it. We, we need to win a championship and we need to, to design this roster to do it right now. And um, you find that with Candace Parker, you know, you get that franchise player in there. You get the likes of Clea Copper playing like the all-star that she is. I mean, I just think that it's a testament to a lot of the longevity that we see with the Chicago backcourt of people who've been there and really put in some serious time of getting this franchise from, in my opinion, there's some things to criticize about it to now they're up here competing for a championship. When you know the lack of resources in some ways that Chicago has dealt with over the years to see them in a finals. And in my mind, I mean, it looks really good right now. Um, that's, that's really cool to see because I think it's more so a testament to those players who have remained, who've put in that work. And then you obviously throw in a shot in the arm, like Candace Parker returning. And it's just, it's just cool to see where the franchise has gone. I don't think they're no one's sitting around thinking about Elena Deladon and Well, yeah. I, I I agree with everything you said. I wasn't saying like they're sitting there like, yeah, fuck <laughs> you. You know what I mean? No. Excuse my language. It is a part um, of the story though. No, it's a part of the story. Exactly. Like, look, these if if you're gonna tell me that you're you know, you were in the trenches, right, with Elena Deladon 
and you lose the finals. And now you're back against that same team with the two main stars still there, right? Yes, it's a very different Mercury team. It's the same coach and it's the same two big names, right? And you got to think there is that taste in their mouth of just, are they thinking about it daily? No. Has it crossed their mind? Yes. Like I would put money down that a few of the Chicago Sky players, if they haven't spoken between each other about it, have at least in their mind thought about the fact like, hey, you know, this is almost our chance to, you know, rewrite history how we want it done. And and that's the beauty of sports, right? Is these storylines, is the history of it, um, and, you know, the debates of, are they going to be back? Uh, is Candace Parker going to walk off into the sunset if she wins the finals now? There's there's a lot to it. Um, I'm excited. Rachel, I think it's that time of the show where we start talking predictions. Ooh. Game two. I'm going to make you go first. You know, <laughs> I've said I really felt like Chicago would go three to one. Um, that's kind of my gut is telling me that. I feel like Phoenix has had a couple days to regroup. I think they've got a little more depth. We could see some sort of Bria Hartley um, <laughs> step-up game. I'm not saying she's going to drop 30, but I think that there's gonna, there's an added depth here with the return of Sophie Cunningham. You've got them at home for one more. That sense of urgency is going to be so intense to steal one now before we go back to Chicago. They know damn well they can't lose this game. Um, <clears throat> I don't think Chicago will be – you know, they're not going to let up. They're They're – they have an equal sense of urgency of winning a championship, but I think Phoenix will will win this game in an edge and go back to Chicago one one. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it it simply boils down to and the aspect of Sophie Cunningham that I don't think we've spoken about enough is she has that dog right. Like mm-hmm. she and Diana Taurasi are cut from the same cloth. Now I'm not saying that she's going to be, you know, voted the greatest of all time when Sophie Cunningham is in her 17th, 20th, 50th season, whatever it is. What I'm saying is like that bark, that fight, that I'm going to play me, I'm going to do me, and I don't care. You know, there's a few players that have that in the league. And one of the biggest issues is when Diana Taurasi is off the court. That's when the Mercury kind of lose that bite, that bark, that that attack mentality having the depth is great having the depth with a player who has that mentality I think is the key I agree with you I was thinking you were gonna go sky because like right now I'm sitting here and I I fully think I wouldn't what I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago swept this but right well that's the thing I'm sitting here and I'm going it feels like a sweep when you just play it out in your mind but then you add all these elements in and you know I think I'm gonna have to say I agree with you Rachel I think it's a like a one or two possession final score but the Mercury find a way to win I secretly um, want it to end and I you know well that that's the other part is how much of this is us using our semi-elite basketball minds versus how much of it is us being influenced by the idea that we want it to go to game five. I think in all honesty, even if it doesn't go to game five tonight or not tonight, but game two is going to have the feel of a game five, because if you're the Mercury, this is your game five. And if you're the sky, you've been playing like every game is game five. Yep. 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 We'll find out. All right. We'll we'll have to find out. We'll be back after game two to discuss. And and well, don't worry. We'll bring on some, uh, some elite basketball minds, uh, to uh, discuss this with you and with us. Rachel, have a good one. Have a good one.